53, a, all over the world, but especially in the vicinity of a cab stand, q in what other manner is the Thames water divided, a physically speaking, into oceans, seas, gulfs, bays, straits, lakes and rivers, q what is an ocean, a, any great body of water whose limits it is impossible to describe, as the floating bath at Southwark Bridge, and the real tank at the Adelphi Theater, q what is a sea, a, any small collection of water, as at Chelsea, Battersea, Kuwat is a gulf, a, a gulf is any place, the greater part of which is surrounded by lawyers, as Lincoln's Inn, the Court of Chancery, Kuwat is a haven, a, a commodious harbor, where people lie at anchor in perfect security, as the Queen's Bench, the fleet, the site of which is Kuwat is a strait, a, a strait is a narrow passage which connects two broad principles as Wakley Straits, which join radicalism and conservatism. Kuwat is a lake. A. A lake is any small portion of honesty, entirely surrounded by self. As Peel's politics. Kuwat is a river. A. A river is a tax stream which rises from the treasury, and runs into the pockets of the ministerial party. The people are the source of the stream. The ministry is the mouth. When the mouth is very wide, it is called a Tory mouth. The right or left banks of a tax stream are the treasury or opposition benches. To the right or left of the speaker when he has his back to the source. Q. How are tax streams divided? A. Into salaries and pensions. Q. What is a conflict? A. Any place where two or more salaries or pensions are united, as the Duke's breeches pocket. Q. Is there any other peculiarity attending a tax stream? A. Yes. Radicalism is that part of a stream nearest to its source, Toryism that part nearest to its mouth. Sparks from the fire. All is not lost. Colonel Sithorpe begs to inform the editor of Punch that the loss of the wooden gun named Policy, which was destroyed by the late fire at the tower, is not irreparable. He has himself been for a long time employed by the Tories for a similar purpose as that for which the Policy had been successfully used, namely, to make the enemy believe they were well provided with real artillery, and being now the greatest wooden gun in the world, he will, immediately on the lower armory being rebuilt, be happy to take the place of the gun which has been unfortunately consumed, distress of the country, by the offer of, lights and shadows of London life, merciful heaven, we shudder as we write, the state of destitution to which the civic authorities are reduced is appalling, will our readers believe that there were only 500 tureens of turtle, or 2,500 pints, or 5,000 basins, amongst not quite 1,500 guests, only two basins and a half a man, for the first course, but we print the bill of fare, it will be read with intense interest by the manufacturers of Paisley, inhabitants of poor law unions, but more especially by the literary community, general bill of fare, 250 tureens of real turtle, containing 5 pints each, 200 bottles of sherbet, 6 dishes of fish, 30 entrees, 4 boiled turkeys and oysters, 60 roast pullets, 60 dishes of fowls, 46 ditto of capons, 50 french pies, 60 pigeon pies, 53 hams ornament, 43 tongues, 2 quarters of house lamb, 2 barons of beef, 3 rounds of beef, 2 stewed rumps of beef, 13 sirloins, rumps, and ribs of beef, 6 dishes of asparagus, 60 ditto of mashed and other potatoes, 44 ditto of shellfish, 4 ditto of prawns, 140 jellies, 50 blamanges, 40 dishes of tarts creamed, 30 ditto of orange and other turts, 40 ditto of almond pastry, 20 chantilly baskets, 60 dishes of mince pies, 56 salads, peas and asparagus, 
the removes, 30 roast turkeys, 6 leverets, 80 pheasants, 24 geese, 40 dishes of partridges, 15 dishes of wild fowl, 2 pea fowls. Dessert, 100 pineapples. From 2 pounds to 3 pounds each, 200 dishes of hoghouse grapes, 250 ice creams, 50 dishes of apples, 100 ditto of pears, 60 ornaments of oil cakes, 75 plates of walnuts, 80 ditto of dried fruit and preserves, 50 ditto of preserved ginger, 60 ditto of round cakes and chips, 46 ditto of brandy cherries. The principal table at which the right hon, the Lord Mayor presides, 10 dureens of turtle, 10 bottles of sherbet, 6 dishes of fish, 30 entrees, 1 boiled turkey and oysters, 2 roast pullets, 2 dishes of fowls, 2 ditto of capons, 2 French pies, 2 pigeon pies, 2 hams ornament, 2 tongs, 1 quarter of house lamb, 1 stewed rump of beef, 1 sirloin of beef, 6 dishes of asparagus, 2 dishes of mashed and other potatoes, 3 ditto of shellfish, 1 dish of prawns, 3 jellies, 3 blamanges, 2 dishes of tarts creamed, 2 dishes of orange and other turds, 2 dishes of almond pastry, 4 chantilly baskets, 2 dishes of mince pies, 4 salads, removes, 3 roast turkeys, 1 leveret, 3 pheasants, 2 geese, 2 dishes of partridges, 1 dish of wild fowl, 2 pea fowls, dessert, 6 pineapples, 12 dishes of grapes, 10 ice creams, 2 dishes of apples, 4 dishes of pears, 2 ornaments of oil cakes, 3 plates of walnuts, 4 plates of dried fruit and preserves, 3 plates of preserved ginger, 3 plates of round cakes and chips, 3 plates of brandy cherries, the 5 upper tables, 80 tureens of turtle, 60 bottles of sherbet, 3 boiled turkeys and oysters, 16 roast pullets, 20 dishes of fowls, 15 ditto of capons, 16 french pies, 16 pigeon pies, 16 hams ornament, 13 tongs, 1 quarter of house lamb, 1 round of beef, 1 stewed rump of beef, 4 sirloins, rumps and ribs of beef, 20 dishes of mashed and other potatoes, 12 ditto of shellfish, 1 dish of prawns, 40 jellies, 16 blamanges, 13 dishes of tarts creamed, 9 ditto of orange and other turds, 13 ditto of almond pastry, 16 chantilly baskets, 20 dishes of mince pies, 17 salads, removes, 23 roast turkeys, 5 leverets, 23 pheasants, 7 geese, 13 dishes of partridges, 5 ditto of wild fowl, dessert, 32 pineapples, 64 dishes of grapes, 80 ice creams, 15 dishes of apples, 30 ditto of pears, 18 ornaments of oil cakes, 24 plates of walnuts, 26 ditto of dried fruit and preserves, 15 ditto of preserved ginger, 18 ditto of round cakes and chips, 14 ditto of brandy cherries, the 5 short tables next the upper tables, 26 tureens of turtle, 22 bottles of sherbet, 3 roast pullets, 6 dishes of fowls, 5 dishes of capons, 5 french pies, 7 pigeon pies, 6 hams ornament, 5 tongs, 1 sirloin of beef, 6 dishes of mashed and other potatoes, 5 ditto of shellfish, 1 dish of prawns, 16 jellies, 5 blamanges, 4 dishes of tarts creamed, 3 dishes of orange and other turds, 4 dishes of almond pastry, 6 dishes of mince pies, 6 salads, removes, 10 roast turkeys, 10 pheasants, 3 geese, 4 dishes of partridges, dessert, 10 pineapples, 20 dishes of grapes, 26 ice creams, 5 dishes of apples, 12 ditto of pears, 
7 ornament savoy cakes, 8 plates of walnuts, 8 ditto of dried fruit and preserves, 5 ditto of preserved ginger, 7 ditto of route cakes and chips, 5 ditto of brandy cherries, the 4 long tables in the body of the hall, 80 tureens of turtle, 60 bottles of sherbet, 17 roast pullets, 20 dishes of fowls, 15 dishes of capons, 16 french pies, 20 pigeon pies, 16 hams ornament, 13 tongues, 1 round of beef, 1 stewed rump of beef, 4 sirloins, rumps, and ribs of beef, 20 dishes of mashed and other potatoes, 13 dishes of shellfish, 40 jellies, 16 blamanges, 13 dishes of tarts creamed, 10 ditto of orange and other turds, 13 ditto of almond pastry, 20 ditto of mince pies, 17 salads, removes, 23 roast turkeys, 23 pheasants, 7 geese, 13 dishes of partridges, 5 ditto of wild fowl, dessert, 32 pineapples, 64 dishes of grapes, 80 ice creams, 16 dishes of apples, 30 ditto of pears, 20 ornament savoy cakes, 24 plates of walnuts, 26 ditto of dried fruit and preserves, 16 ditto of preserved ginger, 20 ditto of route cakes and chips, 15 ditto of brandy cherries, the 7 side tables, 24 tureens of turtle, 20 bottles of sherbet, 7 roast pullets, 5 dishes of fowls, 4 ditto of capons, 5 french pies, 5 pigeon pies, 6 hams ornament, 4 tongs, 1 sirloin of beef, 5 dishes of mashed and other potatoes, 4 ditto of shellfish, 1 dish of prawns, 15 jellies, 4 blamanges, 3 dishes of tarts creamed, 2 ditto of orange and other turds, 3 ditto of almond pastry, 5 ditto of mince pies, 5 salads, removes 9 roast turkeys, 9 pheasants, 2 geese, 20 dishes of partridges, dessert, 8 pineapples, 16 dishes of grapes, 24 ice creams, 5 dishes of apples, 16 ditto of pears, 6 ornament savoy cakes, 7 plates of walnuts, 7 ditto of dried fruit and preserves, 5 ditto of preserved ginger, 6 ditto of route cakes and chips, 4 ditto of brandy cherries, the 3 tables in the old court of Queen's Bench, 30 tureens of turtle, 28 bottles of sherbet, 10 roast pullets, 7 dishes of fowls, 6 ditto of capons, 5 french pies, 10 pigeon pies, 7 hams ornament, 6 tongues, 1 round of beef, 2 sirloins and ribs of beef, 7 dishes of mashed and other potatoes, 6 ditto of shellfish, 21 jellies, 6 blamanges, 5 dishes of tarts creamed, 4 ditto of orange and other turds, 5 ditto of almond pastry, 7 ditto of mince pies, 7 salads, removes, 12 roast turkeys, 12 pheasants, 3 geese, 5 dishes of partridges, 4 ditto of wild fowl, dessert, 12 pineapples, 24 dishes of grapes, 30 ice creams, 7 dishes of apples, 14 ditto of pears, 7 ornament savoy cakes, 9 plates of walnuts, 9 ditto of dried fruit and preserves, 6 ditto of preserved ginger, 7 ditto of route cakes and chips, 5 ditto of brandy cherries, wines, champagne, hock, claret, madeira, port, and sherry, the destruction of the alderman, a mansion house melody, apoplexia came down on the alderman fold, and his cohorts were gleaming with jaundice like gold, and the sheen of the specters that owned his behest glimmered bright as the gas at a new lord may single quote our single quote as feast, everything that humanity shrinks from was their hepatitis, lumbago, with hollow care hypochondria, and doubt grinning ghastly with pain, 
and of into my fandoms a horrible train, and onwards they galloped in brotherly pairs, their pennons pale yellow, their steeds were nightmares, and their leader's grim visage a darksome smile wore as he gave the word, halt, at the mansion house door, the vision dismounted, and peering within, midst a rattle of glasses and knife and forked in, his victims beheld, tucking in calicash, while they hobnobbed and toasted in burgundy wash, then he straightway amongst them his grisly form cast, and breathed on each puffing red face as he passed, and the eyes of the feasters waxed deadly and chill, and their stomachs once heaved, and forever grew still, and the turtle devourers were stretched on the floor each cheek changed to purple so crimson before, their dew lips all dabbled with red wine and ale, and extremities cold as a live fish's tail, and there lay the liverymen, breathless and lorn, with waistcoat and new inexpressible storm, and the hall was all silent, the band having flown, and the waiter stared wildly on, sweating and blown, and cripplegate widows are loud in their wail, and Marriac's orphans all trembling and pale, for the alderman glory has melted away, as mists are dispersed by the glad dawn of day, Harmer V-I-R-U-M-Q-U-E-C-A-N-O, in the list of guests at the Lord Mayor's dinner we did not perceive the name of Harmer, among those who met to dispatch the vines, on inquiry we learn that since the fire at the tower he has secluded himself in his own Harmer Y and has not egressed from Ingress Abbey, for fear of incendiaries. The ex-alderman having however always shown a decided predilection for graves and it is not wonderful that during the wet season he should be a chapter on politics, wherein, punch, h-i-n-d-a-d-h at a startling change in the emotions o-p-r-a-n-d-i of legislation. He also e-x-h-i-b-i-d-a-d-h a profound knowledge of foreign affairs, and s-h-o-w-e-d-h how at home we are all abroad, at a period when every Englishman, from the minister to the quack doctor and extremes very often meet, is laying down his pseudo-political principles. Punch desires to expound his practical and scientific plan for increasing prosperity and preserving peace. Yes, at a moment like this, when the party difference, twixt Tweedledum and Tweedledee, has produced a total standstill, when wigs cannot move, and when Tories will not, Punch steps forward to prescribe without a fee for the sinking constitution. Punch locator, a very great genius when almost equal to myself has declared that of the great mass of mankind. 99 out of every 100 are lost in error, every day proves the fact, from the peer, who mistakes exclusiveness for dignity, and a power to injure for a right to oppress, to the peasant, who confounds aggression and insolence with justice and independence, it is all error, 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 upon this fact rests the basis of my wonderful improvements, if the majority be wrong, the inference is obvious the minority must be right, then, in future, let everything be conducted by the minority the sensible few. Behold the consequences. In those days we shall have Mr. Samuel Carter Hall, who polled three days and got one vote, declared county member-elect. Sithorpe shall be a man of weight and influence, giving to H. Airy nothing a local habitation and a name. Roebuck shall be believed to have had ancestors, and shall ring the nose of some small boy attached to the Times newspaper, and the Whigs yes. The Whigs shall be declared both wise and honest, though Parliament has pronounced them fools, and the country has believed them to be knaves. Pupil of Punch, respondee, that would be a change. Punch, rather, cast your eye round and see the workings of this grand principle, the labors of the many compassed by the few steam and slavery. Punch, very true. Let me now draw your attention to the real difference between the English and some foreign governments, 
the Turkish minister generally loses his power and his head at the same time, the English minister carries on his business without a head at all. For the performance of his duty the former is decapitated the latter is incapacitated. The Japanese legislator when disgraced invariably rips up his bowels, the English legislator is invariably in disgrace, but has no bowels to rip up. With some other nations the unsuccessful leader gets bowstringed and comfortably sewn up in a sack, our great man is satisfied with getting the sack, having previously bagged as much as lay in his power. Next week I may probably continue the lecture and the parallels. The prince is extra. That graze in the loyalty of that society was manifested in a very gratifying manner, the treasurer and benchers having ordered extra wine to be served to the barristers and students. The health of Her Majesty and the infant prince was drunk with enthusiastic rapture. Long live the prince. For many a year to await each student's throttle, he well deserves an extra cheer. Who brings an extra bottle? Punches the eager. The wrong man. The author of this farce half placed himself in the first section of the second chapter of that treatise on dramatic casualties, which half helped to make punch the oracle of wit and of wisdom he has become to the entire intelligence of the land, from the aristocracy upwards. In this instance he is truly one who write the farce or comedy and neglect hath to introduce jokes in the same. But this we hope will prove a solitary instance of such neglect, for when he next indicts, may he show that he is not the wrong man to write a good piece, although alas, he appeared on Saturday last to be exactly the right man for penning a bad one. Punch. Number 11 page 131. When a playwright produces a plot whose incidents are just within the possibilities, and far beyond the probabilities, of this life. It is said to be, ingenious, because of the crowd of circumstances that are huddled into each scene. According to this acceptation, the, wrong man, would be a highly ingenious farce, if that may be called a farce from which the remotest semblance of facetiae is scrupulously excluded. Proceed we, therefore, to an analysis of the fable with becoming gravity. At the outset we are introduced to a maiden lady in Horusca Referens her private apartment, but to save scandal. The introduction is not made without company there is also her maid. Patty Smart, although not a new servant, has chosen that precise moment to inform her mistress concerning the exact situation of her private circumstances, and the precise state of her heart. She is in love, it is for Simon Tack that the flame is kept alive, he, a dapper upholder, upholds her affections. At this point, a triangular note is produced which plainly foretells a dishonorable rival. You are not deceived, it proposes an assignation in that Elysium of bachelors and precipice of destruction for young ladies. The Albany, wonderful to relate, it is from Miss Thomasina Fringe's nephew, Sir Brian Bozex. The maiden dame is inconceivably shocked, and to show her detestation of this indelicate proposal, agrees to personate Patty and keep the appointment herself for the pleasure of inflicting on her nephew a heap of mortification and a moral lecture. Mr. Tack is the next appearance, being an upholsterer. Of course he has the run of the house, so it is not at all odd to find him in a maiden lady's boudoir, the more especially as he enters from behind his natural element the window curtains. It is astonishing with what pertinacity the characters in most farces will bore one with their private affairs when they first appear. In this respect Sir Brian Bozex, in the next scene, is quite as bad as Patty was in the former one. He seems to have invited foreign offending victims to dine at his chambers in the Albany, on purpose to inform them that in his youth he was betrothed to a girl whom he has never since seen, but what that has to do with telling his guests to be off, 
because he expects a charming little lady's maid at six. His companions are doubtless puzzled to understand. One of them, however, is Beechwood a very considerably diluted edition of Jerry Bumpson, turning the tables, who determines to revenge the surly turnout by a trick upon the inhospitable host, and goes off to develop it to commence. In fact, the farce, Sir Brian Bozex is waiting with impatience the arrival of Patty, when his servant enters with a letter, which he says has been just delivered by a servant, who galloped up to the door on a horse an extraordinary clever hack, we should say, for, to perform this feat, he must have broken through a porter's lodge, galloped over a smooth pavement, and under a roof so low, that Lord Burgish can only traverse it with his hat off, we should like to see a horse race in the Albany Avenue, the letter thus so cavalierly brought, contains news of an accident that has happened to Miss French, and summons Bozex's immediate presence, off he goes, and on comes Beechwood with a, ha, 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 fairly hoaxed, and all that, which is usually laughed and said by hoaxers of noses, it has happened that Mr. Tack, the upholster, having had a peep at the contents of the cop hat billet, addressed to Mistress Smart, conceives a violent fit of jealousy, and having also Bozex's custom, has the range of his house as well as that of Miss French, so by this time we naturally find him behind Sir Brian's window curtains, to witness the interview between him and the future Mrs. Tack, that is to say, if she prove not false, things approach to a crisis, Miss Fringe enters, but brings with her Alice, the young lady whose infant heart was betrothed to Bozex, she, taking the place of Patty Smart, goes through a dialogue with Beechwood instead of Bozex, and we now learn that the former christens the farce, he being the wrong man, somewhere near this point of the story the first act ends, the second act is occupied in clearing up the mistakes which the audience know all about already, but those among them who had, up to about the middle of it, been waiting with exemplary patience for the jokes, began to get tired of having nothing to laugh at, and hissed, despite these noisy drawbacks, however, we were able to find out that Bozex loses his cousin Alice and her fortune a regular farce fortune some five or six hundred thousand pounds or so, for she falls in love with Beechwood, and vice versa, Tack and Patty Smart are rendered happy, but what really becomes of Bozex and his and the sibilance forbade our knowing, we suppose, by Mr. Bartley's pantomime, that Sir Brian puts up with his hoax and his lady loss with a good grace, for he flourished about his never-absent pocket handkerchief with one hand, shook hands with Miss French with the other, stepped forward, did some more dumb show to the dissentients, and, with the rest of the actors, bowed down the curtain. We perceive by the times that the offer of the wrong man is not so very culpable after all. He is guiltless of the plot, that being taken from a French piece called Ultrapissire, the Masons and the Stone Jug. Mr. Walkley feelingly remarked at the late meeting of the Union Masons that the man who would lock up a pump was unfit to hold any situation of trust. On the strength of this opinion the Earl of Wattlegrave and Captain Duff intend to proceed against the Marshal of the Queen's Bench for having locked them up for these last six months. The force of fancy could no further go. The Times gives an extract from the Norwich Aurora, an American paper, descriptive of a newly discovered cavern. The writer, with a power of imagination almost marvelous, remarks, The air in the cavern had a peculiar smell, resembling nothing. We believe that is the identical flavor of leg of nothing and no turnips. Conundrum by the Lord Mayor. Why does a drunken milkmaid resemble a celebrated French diplomatist? Because she is like to tell a wrong tolerant. Punch. O.R. The London C.H.A.R.I.V.A.R.I. Volume 1. 
for the week ending November 20th, 1841, myself, Punch, and the Kaylees. I dined with my old friend and schoolfellow, Jack Withers, one day last September, on the previous morning, on my way to the India house, I had run up against a stout individual on Cornhill, and I looking in his face as I stopped for a moment to apologize, an abrupt, this is surely Jack Withers, burst from my lips, followed by, God bless me, Will Bayfield, from his, after a hurried question or two, we shook hands warmly and parted, with the understanding that I was to cut my mutton with him next day. Seventeen years had elapsed since Withers and I had seen or heard of each other, having a good mercantile connection. He had pitched upon commerce as his calling, and entered a counting house in Idaho Lane in the same year that I, a young surgeon, embarked for India to seek my fortune in the medical service of the East India Company. Things had gone well with Honest Jack, from a long, thin, weasel of a youngster. He had become a burly ruddy-faced gentleman with an aldermanic rotundity of paunch, which gave the world assurance that his ordinary fare by no means consisted of death nuts, he had already, as he told me, accumulated a very pretty independence, which was yearly increasing, and was, moreover, a snug bachelor, with a well-arranged residence in Finsbury Square, in short, it was evident that Jack was, a fellow with two coats and everything handsome about him, as for me, I was a verification of the adage about the rolling stone, having gathered a very small quantity of moss, in the shape of worldly goods, I had spent sixteen years in marching and counter-marching over the thirsty plains of the Carnatic, in medical charge of a native regiment salivating sea police and blowing out with blue pills the officers until the effects of a stiff jungle fever, that nearly made me proprietor of a landed property measuring six feet by two, sent me back to England almost as poor as I had left it and with an atrabilarious visage which took a two-month's course of Cheltenham water to scour into anything like a decent color. Withers' dinner was in the best taste, Vine's excellent wine superb, never did I sip Rachi or Madeira, and the champagne trickled down one's throat with the same facility that man is inclined to sin. The cloth drawn, we fell to discoursing about old times, things, persons, and places. Jack then told me how from junior clerk he had risen to become second partner in the firm to which he belonged, and I in my turn, enlightened his mind with respect to Asiatic cholera, Ranjit Singh, Guzni, Tiger Shooting, and Shasuja. In this manner the evening slid pleasantly on, an array of six bottles, that before dinner had contained the juice of Oporto, stood empty on the sideboard. Jack wanted to draw another cork, which, however, I positively forbade as I had through life made it a rule to avoid the slightest approach towards excess in tippling, so, after a modest brace of glasses of brandy and water, I shook hands with and left my friend about half past nine, for I am an old-fashioned fellow, and love early hours, my usual time for turning in being ten, when I got into the street in an accustomed spirit of deity at once took possession of me, my general feelings of benevolence and goodwill towards all mankind appeared to have received a sudden and marvelous increase. I seemed to tread on either down, and, cigar in mouth, strolled along Fleet Street and the Strand, towards my domicile in Half Moon Street, National Quid Medicine's new room, sometimes humming the fag end of an Irish melody, and on stopping to stare in a print shop window, and then I would trudge on chewing the cut of sweet and bitter fancy as I conned over the various UPS and downs that had checkered my life since Jack Withers and I were thoughtless lads together, a long time ago. In this mood I found myself standing before the new Strand Theatre, 
my attention having been arrested by the word punch blazoned in large letters on a playbill. What can this mean? Quoth I to myself. I know a publication called Punch very well, but I never heard of a performance so maimed. I'll go in and see it. Who knows but it may be an avatar of the editor of that illustrious periodical, who condescends to discard his dread incognito for the nonce, in order to exhibit himself, for one night only, to the eyes and understandings of admiring London. The avatar we do not allow the illustrious periodical we do. Ed. Of Punch. In another minute I was seated in the boxes, and found a crowded audience in full enjoyment of the quiet waggery of Keeley, who was fooling them to the top of their bent, accoutred from top to toe as mean here Punch the Great, while his clever little wife who, by the way, possesses, I think, more of the vice comica than any actress of the day caused sides to shake and eyes to a water by her naive and humorous delineation of Mrs. Snozzle. The curtain had hardly fallen more than a couple of minutes, when a door behind me opened hastily, and a box-keeper thrusting in his head, called out, Is there a medical man here? I am one, said I getting up, Anything the matter? Come with me then, sir, if you please, said he, A severe accident has just happened to Mrs. Keeley, A falling scene has struck her head, sir, and hurt her dreadfully. Good heavens, said I much shocked, I will come immediately. I followed the man to the stage door, and was ushered into a dressing room with several people in it, where, extended on a sofa, lay the unfortunate lady, whom I had but a few minutes before seen full of life and spirits, delighting hundreds with her unrivaled humor and espieglery. There she lay, in the same fantastic dress she had worn on the stage, pale as death a quantity of blood flowing from a fearful wound on her head, and uttering those low quick moans which are indicative of extreme suffering. Poor little Keely stood beside the couch. Holding her hand, he was still in full fig as polychenal, and the grotesqueness of his attire contrasted strangely with the anguish depicted on his countenance. As I came forward, he slowly made way for me looked in my face imploringly, as if to gather from its expression some gleam of hope, and then stood aside, in an attitude of profound dejection, having felt the sufferer's pulse. I was about to turn her head gently, in order to examine the nature of the wound when a hustling noise behind me causing me to turn round, to my infinite dismay, I perceived Mr. Keeley, having pushed the bystanders on one side, in the act of performing a kind of punchian dance upon the floor, accompanying himself with the vigorous chuckling and crowing peculiar to the hero whose habiliments he wore, I was horror-stricken conceiving that grief had suddenly turned his brain, all at once, he made a spring towards me, and, seizing my arm, thrust me into a corner of the room, where he held me fast, exclaiming, wretch, villain, restore me my wife that talent woman your infernal arts have destroyed, you did for her, Mr. Keeley, said I struggling to release myself from his grasp, my dear sir, pray compose yourself, and happy traitor, he shouted, giving me an unmerciful tweak by the nose, look at her silver skin laced with her golden blood, see, see, oh, see, this was rather too much, even from a man whose wits were astray, I began to lose patience, and was preparing to rid myself somewhat roughly of the madman's grasp, when a new phenomenon occurred, the patient on the sofa, whom I had judged well nigh moribund, and consequently incapable of any effort whatever, all at once sat up with a sudden jerk, and gave vent to a series of the most ear-piercing shrieks that ever assailed human tympanum, oh, oh, mon dieu, Jake sways a du Levis vous dog, Monsieur Nevis vous pas handy, 
I started up oh misery, I had fallen asleep, and my head, resting against a pillar, had slipped down, depositing itself upon the expansive bosom of a portly French dame in the next box, who seemed, by her vehement exclamations, to be quite shaken from the balance of her propriety by the unlooked for burthen I had imposed upon her, whilst a petty monsieur poured forth the string of sacred and suppressed these upon my devoted head with a volubility of utterance truly astonishing.